pretend there's trouble for Giacho. You gotta get out, you're Giacho. Copters waiting, time to go. Gotta rescue Giacho. Better move out, you're Giacho. I'm Justin. And I'm Blake. And this is the How Do You Figure podcast. Blake, who is our guest this week? Justin, this week we are joined by Jim Beard, a established writer who has two current books that he was going to talk about. Well, hi guys. How are you? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> We're doing all right, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing just fine. Introducing the new G.I. Joe adventure team. Five rugged men with lifelike hair. They're outfitted for action. And they take their orders from this man, the adventure team commander. I've got a tough assignment for you. The G.I. Joe adventure team. They'll dare anything and risk everything. Collect the new G.I. Joe adventure team and add to the action with adventure team sets. G.I. Joe, now with lifelike hair from Hasbro. Now, for those that are more familiar with American Real American Hero, yeah, uh, can you explain what Adventure Team is? Yeah, um, Adventure Team's like right in the middle. You know, GI Joe started in 1964 as a soldier toy, uh, 12-inch figure. Uh, there was nothing like it at all before that time, and um, that ran up until uh, 1969, 70. Uh, 1970, it became G.I. Joe Adventure Team. Um, the Vietnam War really, you know, cast a shadow on so many things, including G.I. Joe. And Hasbro decided that uh, maybe having a war toy wasn't really like the greatest thing to have while the Vietnam War was, you know, splitting opinions. Uh, here in the States. So they changed Joe into an adventurer. You know, he, instead of, um, you know, rushing Hill 79, he was, you know, going into the jungle and hunting down the white tiger or, uh, or, you know, diving to get sunken treasure and, and fighting octopuses and things like that. Um, and then that ran for up until 76 77 right in there it became this really weird thing called super joe <laughs> which only lasted a year or two and then he disappeared until 1983 and then real american hero started and uh he shrunk <laughs> obviously <laughs> and uh but uh you know um uh, Adventure Team is very, very, very well, you know, remembered, very fondly remembered by by people my age now. And I think it really bridges the gap too between the original Joes and Real American Hero, and that it opened up the world. Like, Definitely. I don't know if you could have made that jump to the world of like Cobra and all that crazy stuff. Yeah, straight from the army men type deal. That's a really good point. Yeah. It opens it up. Yeah. You know, some people have even said that Re real American hero is kind of a, a combination of the 60s soldier Joe with, with adventure team. Um, it's interesting that, you know, they felt comfortable enough to bring the military aspect back in 
Um, and then also the incredible thing about Real American Hero is that now every single Joe was his or her own person, own, you know, uh, uh, had a real name other than their code name, had a whole background and personalities and things like that. When I was a kid, G.I. Joe was, you know, G.I. Joe was G.I. Joe was G.I. Joe. They were all G.I. Joe. And they yeah. didn't necessarily have distinct personalities unless we kids gave them, you know, that. I mean, they had um, they had the land adventurer and the sea adventurer and the, you know, air adventurer and an astronaut. But beyond that, they didn't really have much else. Um, there was a, a, a couple of, there was a Viewmaster. I'm I hate to say this. You guys know what Viewmaster is? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Okay, good, good. I don't, I don't know if they still make Viewmasters or not. Yeah, but there was either. a, there was a booklet that came with the Viewmaster that actually had names and and somewhat personalities for each one of the the Joes, and that was like mind blowing at that time. But it. It didn't really go beyond that. Um, a little bit into the record, there were records with a comic book thing that you got with it. And there was a little bit of that in there. So I kind of took those, some of those elements and some of those names and worked that into my adventure team fiction. I'm excited because I uh, uh, an audio book came out of uh, one of my newer books and it perfectly connects with what you, with you guys talk about um, a couple of years ago, there used to be this thing called um, uh, uh, Kindle worlds on, on Amazon. It was a platform where um, writers like me could, could uh, grab a license. They had all these licensed properties uh, up there and you were allowed to write fiction and publish it, you know, on that platform. And a lot of it was very boring stuff, but among all of those was G.I. Joe. And when it opened up, I was excited because one of the things on my bucket list was I always wanted to write adventure team fiction, you know, brand new adventure team stories. But the funny thing is, is that their whole advertising for, for that was all uh, a real American hero, of, of course. Right. Yep. <laughs> Duh. So uh, I wrote a, an email to Hasbro and I said, um, I don't see anything in here that says that it doesn't include a Adventure Team. So I'm asking you, does that include Adventure Team? And they, they came back to me and they said, you can write anything at all, G.I. Joe, except anything that has to do with the movies. Interesting. Yeah, because then then they were getting into complicated rights situation and i said well wow <laughs> you know it took me an entire year to finally get to the point where i was was ready to do it because i was actually kind of you know taken aback uh, by it but uh, i published a, a novella and a short story uh i was the first person up there to do gi joe adventure team and it was really fun, and I loved it, and I had some of the best sales from basically anything I had written. And uh, I don't know, it was about a year or so later, they shut down Kindle Worlds. They got rid of it completely. So flash forward to just just uh, last year, mid-last year, and I was sick and tired of having that 
that work just sit there and I, I can't do anything with it. Uh, the, the story rights reverted back to all the writers, but obviously not the IP, you know. Um, so I said, the hell with this. I'm going to change all the names and and republish it as something new. So so now G.I. Joe Adventure Team is is DC Jones and Adventure Command International. <laughs> the names Great. have been changed to pro- protect the innocent or me. <laughs> so um and I, what I did is I uh it, the novella and the short story weren't enough to make a whole book out of so I wrote a new short story. So it's a novella and two short stories. Uh, I got a really wonderful cover for it by a, a really great artist named Matt Orsman. Uh, and he made it look like a, uh, a, a G.I. Joe Adventure Team toy package. So well, you you guys can see this. I know your listeners can't, but your listeners can go to Amazon and find it. So I said, you, you got to make it look like one of those window packages, you know, with the, with the cool art on the side. And so we did. And there's even... Um, art inside to make it look like it's the old instruction sheets from adventure team toys in between each story. So we had a blast with it. And, uh, but just, uh, just like two weeks ago, the audio book came out for it. And I'm just thrilled to death by this because, uh, it's through Oasis audio. Uh, they got this incredible, uh, voice actor. And what he does is he changes his voice for each one of the characters it's really fun. And since we couldn't have those instruction sheets, obviously, you know, on an audio book, I said, hey, what about like we do like old TV commercials? So in between each one of the stories is they, they made we made DC Jones TV commercials that never really existed. And I love it because <laughs> they're all scratchy sounding. It's like they pulled them off of YouTube, you know, and uh, like somebody taped it off of a TV with their VCR or something. That's such a so, great idea. I, I'm just having a ball with it. It's, it's, it's so fun. And I'm going to be in a, a Kentuckiana G.I. Joe show uh, in Jul- July, I think it is. And I can't wait because I'm going to have those at my, my table. And then um, in 2018, I did a book called The Joy of Joe which is a nonfiction book where I got a whole bunch of writers together. And basically we, um, the premise is talk about your childhoods with GI Joe. So it's everything from the sixties soldiers through adventure team, all the way up through real American hero. It spans like 30 years worth of kids, grown up kids talking about uh, GI Joe. Jim, were you, were you sitting on these stories for a while? Were these stories you had that you always wanted to tell? You know what? I, I always wanted to tell the stories, but I didn't have those specific stories. But it didn't take me very long. Once I just started thinking about Adventure Team, you know, like you were saying, the world opened up at, at that point. And, and what I did is I I was inspired by the toys, by the, by the adventure sets that they ha- had already out. And, um, you know, the equipment and everything like that. I tried to work in as much of the real equipment as I possibly could into, into, you know, these stories. And that was really, really, really fun. And the chapter titles were the names of the different sets, you know, like Dangerous Recovery, you know, uh, Demolition uh, and things like that. 
I even had uh, every once in a while Joe, who is the you know the head of the the adventure team in my story. I even have every once in a while I stuck in one of the talking GI Joe sayings. It would just be a part of his dialogue to see if anybody was paying att- attention. Those are always That's the details right. I want in these kind of, whenever people adapt these type of properties, I want to see those roots yeah. of like those details in it. I feel Good. like it's always a missed thing. Like if I, right now um, it's such a very odd reference. I'm watching a lot of WandaVision, which is referencing old sitcoms from the sixties, the seventies and the eighties. And I feel like with every episode, I'm like, they should be doing more references to this thing in the eighties or the seventies. <laughs> I want a little more vaudeville Dick Van Dyke in this fifties episode. <laughs> Let's crank it up. Let's trust our audience. Well, geez, with the kind of the pushback that they got from the first couple of episodes from like two or three people on earth, um, uh, <laughs> you know, if they had gone even more into that, somebody would have blown up something. I wanted it so bad. But I totally, I totally agree. I, I wasn't going to do my all-time favorite toy line ever without doing it, you know, as faithful as possible. I mean, yeah, I had to stretch on it because I had to get, I had to come up with characters, you know. Um, but, but beyond that, I, you know, when, when they, uh, set up their headquarters, it, I describe it like the GI Joe headquarters. <laughs> You know, when they have their ATV, I describe it just like the the toy ATV, you know, and, and I even make a few little jokes about um, some of the weirder toys that just didn't make any sense. Like there was a, a chest winch, which is the stupidest thing in the world because it, it doesn't sit on the ground. It, it goes up onto the G.I. Joe and it's a big winch. And it's like he could never <laughs> pick anything up with it because the strength of it would be his own body. You know I mean? It would cr- literally crush him or, or he wouldn't even be able to stand up. So I make a joke about that in there where, where one of the Joes, one of the guys says to the other guys, like, you know, um, like uh, I'll, I'll forgive you for, I'll, you saved my life. So I'll forgive you for making the chest winch. <laughs> so how on the collecting side of things, yeah. how deep into collecting Joes are you? Wow. Well, I'm not rich. <laughs> I'm a writer, so I'm definitely not rich. But um, in the past couple of years, I've actually set out to to do a little bit more. Um, it, it's it's one of those unfortunate things. Collecting that era of toys is is expensive, and if you're kind of OCD like me, you can't have just any beat up gi joe with you know with the flocked hair rubbed off or anything like that so um over a little period of time i've been very very lucky and and doing a lot of searching on ebay and and really finding some really good deals and i'm almost i my i set out to have it have one of each one of the uh adventure team figures and i think i'm I think I only have one that I don't have. And that's the, the black uh, talking commander. So it's the black figure, but with the full beard, man, I have the the one without the beard, but, but um, so in my uh, adventure team fiction and now with DC as DC Jones, he's called Marcus. 
and that name I actually came up with. Um, uh, there's a couple, like I said, I borrowed a couple of the names from the uh, old Viewmasters, but then there was others that never had a name. Like the astronaut's name in my fiction is Glenn, uh, in honor of John Glenn. I'm from Ohio, so Ohio-born John Glenn. Um, the uh, the the man of action, the flocked hair, but without the beard, is Kent. And that's in honor of uh, Kent McCord from uh, Adam 12. Nice. So do you get into Real American Hero at all, or do you stay in that action zone? You know, good question. I totally, totally respect it because the line is why we're talking about G.I. Joe now. I mean, it saved G.I. Joe. It's an incredible phenomenon. It, you know, it's, kind of still going on today. Um, but I was, it was, it's after my time, but the kind of the cool thing is, is when it hit, uh, my best friend, uh, in high school had a, had a younger brother, has a younger brother, and he was the perfect age for it. So my friend and I were, you know, adventure team era guys, and we could kind of, enjoy real American hero vicariously through his younger brother. So what we would do is we would buy the stuff that we thought was cool and, and give it to his little brother, you know, and, and then that way we could get away with you know, buying that stuff. Now, did you get into any of the other like 12 inch style, like action dolls at the time, like big Jim or anything like that? Yeah. Um, not as, not as much. I I think the, probably the next one after, um, uh, GI Joe would have been $6 million man. And that, that I was pretty into. It's funny. I had the Mike powers atomic man, which was part of the adventure team, which yes, was a ripoff of $6 million man. Um, but I really did love the $6 million man line of toys that they had. He wasn't, the body wasn't, anywhere near as flexible and movable as GI Joe. I mean, still to this day that the, the, the 12, the original 12 inch GI Joe body is still, you know, as far as posable and, and all of that is still to me, hasn't really been matched. Um, and sturdy, would, you know, you'll yeah. see more of those intact than you will those eighties real American hero figures. Yeah. Um, the, the adventure team and the soldier before him have that problem of the, um, the stress cracks at the, uh, at the joints, but, but, and sometimes the plastic has dried out. Other than that, those things have taken quite a beating and kids really did. Um, you know, I knew kids when I was in grade school who would, you know, throw them up in the air as far as they could possibly throw them. And they'd, you know, they come down and hit the sidewalk or the street or something like that. I mean, we beat the crap out of the, those things. Um, what what else would I, I, I? It's funny being named Jim. You would have thought that I would have been really into Big Jim, but I only <laughs> I I only had one of the later ones. Um, after a little while, Big Jim became Big Jim's pack, which which was like a almost like a science fictiony thing, and it it was a, 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 a international organization of adventurers basically, and uh, I there was one one of the members of it was called the Whip. And I had the whip, <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. I didn't really have a lot of big Jim. He was a shorter figure. Um, 
and I had uh, the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger and Big Jim were about the same height, which I think they're like mm, nine inch figures, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then yeah. I'm, I'm too young <laughs> to to have been um, there for Captain Action. Captain Action was the late '60s, uh, although it's an incredible toy line, and it only lasted for about three years, um, and and was a competitor of GI Joe. Um, I didn't have any any of that stuff at all. So, uh, your nonfiction book, your book about the GI Joe stories, yeah, the joy of what, Joe. But what influenced that? It it really came out of me knowing people who are the same age as me and us talking about what stuff that we loved as a kid. And one of the things that was a commonality was GI Joe. And then I met other people who were younger than me and they were huge real American hero fans. And this is what I found out that, again, that that idea of commonality, that if there's somebody older than me who had the 60s Joe, someone my age who had the 70s adventure team, and then someone later who had the 80s, 90s real American hero, it, it seemed like we did the same things. We played with those toys in the same way, um, you know. And I really love that. So I said, what about a book where we all just kind of, you know, tell these stories, anecdotes about us playing with G.I. Joe as a kid? And and then that title just hit me it, it, because it is it's pure joy in a toy. Um, and and that's how that was born. Did you get a lot of similar stories when you were reaching out for people to be included in the book? As far as like, I know for like, I've bonded with a lot of people my age mm -hmm. over real American hero yeah. because a lot of us have the same childhood memory of getting that exactly. aircraft character yeah. uh, carrier, the USS yeah, no, flag. It's exactly that. And, and this is the cool thing is that when I got reviews back on the joy of Joe, that's what I was hearing. Um, my biggest worry was that people were going to start reading the book and it was going to be people who liked real American hero. The very first essay in the book is by um, a longtime comic book writer, Paul Kupperberg, who's older than me. And he had the 60s soldier. So we kick off the book right away. But I don't I don't go chronologically. I started I wanted them to be mixed up because I didn't want people to just read, you know, the adventure team reminisces and then skip the real American hero stuff and vice versa. I didn't want everybody to just, you know, I was kind of forcing them to to not know what was coming next. And what I found, and this is so cool and so gratifying, is that people were saying, oh my goodness. It almost doesn't seem to matter what era these guys grew up in. They're saying they're they're not saying the exact same things, but they're they're um, the things that they did are were similar. Um, a lot of kids went out into their yards and built stuff out of rocks and branches 
you know, to set up things like that. And it didn't matter if the, if the figure was 12 inches or three and three quarters inches, they were doing all of those sort uh, same things. Uh, they would, they were all begging their parents for a very specific set. And some of them got that set and some of them didn't, you know, and, and, and maybe somebody said that from 1973 and maybe somebody said that from 1993. And that's, to me, the really, really cool thing that happened. And, and, and we've heard from people and, and they like it. And that, that's really cool to me that somebody who loves real American hero can read uh, a whole article about the early seventies or the late sixties and still enjoy it. Now you're not just a GI Joe collector. No, <laughs> you have other lines that you collect as well. I was told that we could talk about Major Matt Mason. <laughs> Let's get into it. Meet Major Matt Mason, Mattel's man in space and the bravest astronaut yet. He lives on the moon. We may all be there soon. And he gets around with a jet. You know what's cool about Major Matt Mason is is that it, you know, it obviously it predates my adventure team era. Um, I was born in 1965 and Major Matt Mason was born in 66. Uh, I have I have an older brother. Uh, he's four years older than me, so it's very interesting because my memories of of playing with Major Matt Mason are very strong, but my memories of how we got the toys is not very strong because it, I was pretty damn young at that point. But I kept playing with the stuff all through my childhood, even though by, uh, 68, 69, major Matt Mason was done. Um, but I, I loved it because I loved, uh, space stuff, astronauts, NASA, the Apollo missions, all that stuff. Uh, my, my very first GI Joe toy is the GI Joe astronaut and space capsule. So, you know, all my to- all my favorite toy lines had that. Go- uh, the Six Million Dollar Man had a really cool astronaut set, you know, um, uh, being that he was an astronaut. Um, but but it looks like my brother got Major Matt Mason first, and then my parents bought me one of the, one of the M- Matt's buddies. Um, uh, isn't that terrible? It's not. I think it's Doug Davis. In it, I should the orange, the guy with the orange suit, <laughs> not Sergeant Storm with the red suit, but the guy with the orange suit, which I believe is Doug Davis. And Major Matt Mason fans are going to write me angry emails probably because I got that wrong. But, <laughs> but um, that was really cool because my my brother, four years older than me, there was only this very little period of time where we played with toys together because he grew up fast and kind of left me behind. But the one thing that, that, you know, action figures, real honest to goodness toys that we had together was major Matt Mason. He then was, he was too old when I got into, you know, GI Joe and adventure team, he was older and wasn't really playing with action figures and and that kind of toys anymore. Um, But I recently sat and made a list of everything that I remembered us having. Cause I, 
as I grew older, I, I thought, ah, I only had a couple of major Matt Mesa things. And I wrote out this list and it turned out we had a heck of a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, and not just the toys, but all of the like supportive materials. Like there was this press out book. Uh, I had the coloring book, I had the big little book, and I had the puzzle, the jigsaw puzzle. So, um, and that's, you know, in addition to the actual toys, but we had, he had Major Matt Mason. You know what? I'm looking at my list. I was right. I had Doug Davis. We had Callisto, which was one of the aliens. He was, he was like a green Martian. And I always used him as a bad guy. And it wasn't until literally a couple of months ago that I was reading about Callisto and it turns out he's a good guy. (laughs) So we're talking, you know, 40 to 50 years that I go thinking that that's a bad guy because he looks like a bad guy. I think that's an interesting assumption because in my like pop culture world, when I grew up, aliens were instinctively the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's funny looking at the, when major Matt Mason came out, because the other thing when, I look at toys and what I collect, what I'm into, it had a show, Power Rangers, Star Wars, Marvel, yeah. Major Matt Mason really was just this connection to space and exploration that was so big then. When you brought up John Glenn, you like woke up neurons of my, <laughs> my dad was so into space and his name is Glenn and he had all this John Glenn stuff and oh. his dad was so into space. And I wonder if now that's part of why Major Matt Mason worked, but I think it's interesting that they made what we would normally be like, well, he's different. He's the bad guy. And they were like, no, 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 we're exploring. It's all, he's on our side. We tried so hard to build that into kids' minds. Right. They there's incredibly in the space of about two to three years, there's actually two eras of major Matt Mason. The, the, the first era is fairly straightforward. Uh, we're on the moon. We have this cool equipment and we have a base and whatever. And all, almost all of the designs of all that stuff is based on uh, actual uh, projected ideas from NASA and, and other organizations of what things were going to look like when we finally got to the moon. So there was this actual grain of realism within the, within the series. They got to a point where they turned it into a little bit more fantastical uh, uh, property. And they started adding in aliens and things like that. It wasn't just good enough that he was a moon, you know, uh, uh, an astronaut on the moon and driving around, you know, in his cat track and things like that, but they had to bring aliens in. So um, there actually finally was uh, uh, an alien that, that was brought in um, that was uh, a bad guy. You know what? Now I'm starting to, I have to, now I'm, you know what? I'm pretty sure that Callisto was, but this is what guys, when you get old, this is what happens. Your brain goes, yeah. I'll have, now <laughs> there was there was another alien, and I'm trying to uh, Scorpio, who I think it was that same thing. Is if you look at him, you think he's a villain, but he might also be a, a good guy too. Callisto looks totally evil. You look at his face, and he's you know he's he's the eyes and everything. He's completely evil. If he was ever a friend, I don't believe it. But <laughs> um, 
Um, and then they had this really, really, really weird toy called Captain Laser that doesn't look like anything else within Major Matt Mason. It's a 12-inch figure. You know, Major Matt Mason, and we should have said this right at the start, Major Matt Mason is six inches tall, if I'm not mistaken, and he's a bendy. And it, to me, it's one of the reasons why that toy line really stands out, because it's a bendy. You know, there wasn't really much of any other lines uh, uh, like that that were bendies. Um, Mego had bendies, but I, I don't they're not they're not aligned the same way that Major Matt Mason had a whole backstory and and a world, a universe, or whatever. Major yeah, Matt most bendies don't. Like that's kind of one of the unique things about the Major Matt Mason line yeah. is like it's a bendy. But it also has vehicles and a world and everything that goes with it. Absolutely. Um, obviously, the problem is is that they broke, and and it wasn't just with the passage of time. Because even as when I was a kid, um, uh, the major Matt Mason that we had uh, had um, at least one limb where the wire inside broke. It's it's a wire armature with uh, a molded rubber plastic, you know, material over it. Um, and, and when, once it breaks, that's it. Nowadays they found ways to fix it, but in 1968 or 69, 70, nobody was fixing those things. I, you know, I, I doubt if they were trying to stick a new wire into those things, but supposedly today they can, they can do something about that. But the thing is, is that, that, you know, you bend the limbs because he's doing stuff right. And, and they bent one too many times and it broke. Um, if a Mego figure broke, you could try to restring it back together, you know, cause you could, you can get to the guts of it then, but, but major Matt Mason, you couldn't. Um, but anyways, this captain laser is a 12 inch figure who looks who looked a lot like Mr. Spock. He has this bowl cut, you know, hairdo and pointed ears. And for a while, nobody could figure out why this figure was in the line. And it looks today like it was meant for some other line. And we, and it looks like it was from outside of Mattel, like somebody brought it to Mattel. <laughs> and said, oh, hey, look, it's like an alien kind of thing. Let's just stick it in with Major Matt Mason. <laughs> the The figure in the character has a lot of detractors today, but but my brother and I had it, and I loved it, and I love it to this day because, again, it's unusual. Captain Laser, his space gear ablaze with energy stored from the stars. He's a giant, it's true, but a friendly one who spent his boyhood on Mars. He was called, you know, uh, uh, the alien, another alien friend of Major Matt Mason. I think it's really wonderful. He's supposed to be a giant, you know, to Major Matt Mason. And, you know, you wonder like, well, you know, is he from a race of giants? Well, you know, what planet is he from? But he was, he was an electronic figure. The articulation is minimal on this figure. But he had a he had a backpack that you put batteries into, and then he had buttons on the backpack, and one of the buttons a activated lights in his eyes. 
One uh, activated the light on. He had a chest symbol thing that that lit up. And then he had a, a, a gun molded into his hand. He was permanently holding a gun. And you could stick little uh, attachments on it that were like clear plastic, but colored. And those lit up too. Uh, and uh, as these things go, you know, um, and of course, kids left batteries in them. And over time, they corroded and you know, that, that was that. And I guess it's hard today to get a, find a captain laser that actually still works. You know, why do you think major Matt Mason hasn't like stayed the test of time? Like GI Joe. Why, why it hasn't. Yeah. Um, like, it's so cool. Like the alien designs were cool. Like it always, like, I don't know. It always popped to me. Yeah, I you always, know why? You know like why? Like, it would come back. It, because it didn't come back. And that, I mean, again, Real American Hero. We go right back to Real American Hero. Real American Hero um, made G.I. Joe uh, a household name for e- eternity. And that's not to say that, you know, G.I. Joe wasn't popular, but it, it died an ignoble death at the end of the adventure team and into what was called super Joe. Uh, it, it was just, you know, plummeted in sales and just bombed and real American hero came along uh, the popularity of the, the star Wars figures and, and that size, you know, and um, that's why we're still looking at it today. Now, major Matt Mason is, is, very popular but yeah you're right it's not necessarily a household name that's why i thought it was weird when when i originally heard about tom hanks getting the movie rights to major matt mason because i thought who the who remembers major matt mason enough for for for, you know to put bodies in seats in a movie theater um it, it didn't have the the cachet that that gi joe has that instant you know, recognize name like that. Um, I think that's pretty much what goes into it. I love it because of the little universe that was built around it. Um, And because it's the moon. um, I love the designs of all of the major Matt Mason stuff because it's so evocative of that time. It's, it's, it's the sixties thing. You know, that's just, it's just so gorgeous to me in, in the way it looks. Um, and it's very clean. Almost all of the major Matt Mason stuff is in white plastic. It's got this real, real nice, clean, you know, look to it. Um, and, and also because there's some of those mysteries of it, like how did these aliens come into the picture? Why are these aliens in the, in the pictures? And then the other cool thing is, it predates um, G.I. Joe getting individual names and characters. It had, it, it wasn't just Major Matt Mason. There was Sergeant Storm and Doug Davis and a and, uh, couple, um, boy, uh, Long, I can't think of his name now, one of the other. And, and, they, and you know, they had different color suits. You know, there was red, orange, blue. And uh, and then there's Captain Laser and Callisto and Scorpio and and the rest. 
it's a really cool line. Unfortunately, it's probably harder to find them in good shape than it is with adventure team stuff because of the, those wires, because it's a bendy and, and other parts of it really deteriorated over time. So if they brought back major Matt Mason in just toy form, not the big budget Marvel level Tom Hanks movie that I'm sure Apple plus would love to have. They need, (laughs) there's a lot of services now that are desperate for anything. Yeah. Uh, How would you want to see them come back? Would it have to be another bendy? Do you want something more detailed and articulate that like a NECA or super (sighs) seven would develop? Wow. Funko pop. Maybe. (laughs) You know what? i it's not very, uh, it doesn't have very much, you know, <laughs> play value, but uh, that, you know what, that would be really fun to see Funko do a classic action figure line, have a major Matt Mason, have a GI Joe adventure team, have the $6 million man as a, as the toy, you know, that would be really, really fun and cool. A big gym. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know if I'd want major Matt Mason back because I think it, it, it would be, it wouldn't be the same. It's the same thing with adventure team for me and adventure team has come back in some ways. They made three and three quarter inch, uh, a few adventure team ones. Um, and they have tried 12 inch adventure team figures too. There's not very much of it. But um, Major Matt Mason could not be a bendy today. I just, I, I mean, unless they figured out a way to, that it just, it does not fall apart. And having it as a, as a regular articulated figure sound, just sounds weird to me because, you know, he was super posable as a bendy. And that's really what the problem was, is he was so posable that it, it, it was too much stress on those wires, you know, and the, the paint, um, it used to be that I think it was molded in black and then painted white for the white parts of the, you know, the suit, the colored parts of the suit. And, and that started to flake off after a while. Yeah. You know, guys, it it wouldn't be the same. And that's why I, I kind of fear a movie because we talked a little bit about this before we started recording is, is, You'd either have to go full on retro, and I'm not sure that that would be marketable, or you'd have to change it, and then it's not Major Matt Mason. Now, a lot of people would say, who the hell cares? Nobody knows what Major Matt Mason is anyways. You know, there's only, you know, 50 of us (laughs) that know what Major Matt Mason is. And I get that, you know, it's, it's the same with the Marvel movies, um, you know, they, they don't need the half a million people who love comic books. They need millions and millions and millions of people in seats. And they figured out a way to, you know, to, to, to have the best of both worlds there. I don't, I don't know, you know, with major Matt Mason, if it, if it could be the same, unless again, it was just a full on, this is set in 1967, uh, and we went to the moon earlier than we really did, and and it's all just totally retro. And that would, you know, what that would be really fun, I guess, as long as it all looked the same. <laughs> I'm 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 very OCD when it comes to you know that sort of stuff. I, I'm a real s- stickler for it's got to be 
like how I remember it as a kid. Do you still have any of these original Major Matt Mason characters or the Adventure Time? Does anything remain? N- n- no. Um, I had one of those horrible moments where I was, if I'm not mistaken, I was 14. Uh, we still had all the toys and board games and puzzles and everything that me and my siblings ever had. And my mother said, you're not playing with this stuff anymore. It's all just sitting around. Let's just take it to the goodwill. And I said, uh, okay. <laughs> and, and that was that, you know, it was the equivalent of my mother threw out all my comic books, the, you know, the, the old story, except my mother gave everything to the goodwill. Very recently, um, uh, I, I moved into a, new, uh, a house and uh, I was unpacking a lot of stuff. And I realized that I had a c- tiny little bits of original stuff. I have, um, I have the control uh, stand from my GI Joe helicopter. I, I, and here's how I had it. I, I got to, after star Wars came out, I wanted to kit bash spaceships. So I was finding any pieces of plastic around and I, and I thought, Oh, this kind of, the way this kind of looks like something. And I glued things to it and painted it gray and everything. So it's funny because I took off all the other pieces and I, I still have that. Um, I have, um, I have a, a whip antenna from one of the $6 million man toys that I had, like the command console or whatever it was. And I have one arm from my Micronauts Acroyer. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, and literally, oh, and, and two Hot Wheels, two, like two 1969 Hot Wheels. And, and literally, that's it. Uh, but I have, you know, since gone, like, I got my Major Matt Mason puzzle back, you know, in, in, in more recent years, I bought one of those. I got my major matt mason big little book back just a couple months ago i bought the major matt mason press out book that i that i had and it's you know it's complete it's mint it's like nothing's pressed out of it at all i still don't have the coloring book because the 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 prices on the major matt mason coloring book are ridiculous just you know astronomical (laughs) pun intended yeah with that kind of stuff it's got to be getting more and more rare Especially yeah. the babies. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially Major Matt Mason. Um, and, and, you know, with a coloring book, kids colored in it. So if you want one where no kid ever colored in it, you know, unless, um, uh, boy, several years ago, Whitman, the Whitman company was, uh, so they cleaned out, like somebody cleaned out their archives and they were putting everything up on eBay. And I actually got a couple of, uh, Batman coloring books that I had when I was a kid that I loved and they were mint because they were file copies. Mm. Somebody got uh, the original art to the major Matt Mason coloring book, like all in one fell swoop, you know, literally one package, you know, all of the art. Wow. Oh, oh. And you know what? It was one of those coloring books where the art was really good in it too. And one of the like few instances of Major Matt Mason art. Yeah, um, the the art that's in the Big Little book is actually by a uh, well-known comic book artist named Dan Spiegel, 
And that art was just burned into my brain because it's so good. And it's, and I realized as, as an adult, as an adult comic book collector, I'm like, this really looks like Dan Spiegel. And sure enough, it is. It's, it's Dan Spiegel did the art for that. Um, the cool thing about Major Matt Mason is a lot of the packaging was photographs. So you had to look to the, to the supplementary material to, to get actual artwork. Uh, I think Captain Laser actually had a painting on his box, box art. But for the most part, Major Matt Mason was a lot of photography stuff. Whereas G.I. Joe was almost completely art and, and like really cool art too. And Jim, where can everybody find your writing, your social media, everything? Oh yeah, definitely uh, get onto Amazon and put in my name under books and my Amazon author page uh, will come up and you'll see everything uh, there. Um, you'll see, I do a lot of licensed stuff uh, other than my, um, my original stuff. Um, you'll find the DC Jones book and the audio book there on Amazon. You also find the audio book on audible. Uh, dot com. Uh, on Facebook, I have a thing called The Beard, the Jim Beard fan page. And on Twitter, I'm at writer Jim Beard. Awesome, Jim. Thank you so much for coming on. Cool. And, thank you. Uh, everybody check out the books. And if you're not familiar with it, check out Major Matt Mason. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely. worth your time if you're a new, younger toy collector. It's It's a great line. And I will, um, I'll be at uh, Kentuckiana, the G.I. Joe Kentuckiana show in July. I'm really super excited because I have never done a toy show. You know, I've, I've done comic book shows and, and, and like author fairs and things like that and Pulp Fest and all of that. But I've never done a toy show. But now that I have these books... I, I got a table and I am so looking forward to that. And even if we're all masked. I guarantee my table will be safe. An exciting place, the world of space. As all the astronauts know, this world is swell. It's made by Mattel. With it, how far can you go? Well, guys, that was our show. You can, of course, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever else podcasts are distributed. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash group slash how do you figure. We're on Twitter at how do you figure PC, Instagram at how do you figure podcasts. I'm at, as always, Blake. Justin is at Tournament of Nerds. We, of course, do some other shows. I have two other podcasts around movies. Hollywood already did it. That normally is about reboots, remakes, and sequels, and currently is a miniseries about the history of sitcoms through WandaVision, a 60s episode, a 70s episode, and so forth. Uh, the other one, You Can't Do That Anymore, looks at old movies that you might not be able to make in 2021 or that maybe this just aren't tasteful anymore. 